great. Father Bryce, here yeah. we are. We here know we are. We're, we're journeying still uh, in the season of Lent. Yep. Um, and I, I've talked about this in church. Um, uh, play on words that I saw. I can't remember what the... It was a Greek newspaper that had an article. You know, the Greek newspapers often have like religious articles mm-hmm. uh, in them, which is nice. Uh, Orthodox articles. And um, it was kind of making a play on words. Springtime in Greek, spring is eonyxy you know, from the word to open, uh, because you see life opening up in spring, you see the flowers Mm -hmm. opening up, the trees are budding, um, the birds are coming back out, all those wonderful things, the sun. uh, And uh, and so Lent also, the word Lent itself derives from the word for springtime. Yes. Um, Interesting connection even too, someone was making a point to me in the parish uh, not too long ago, you know, that there's this connection, you know, Groundhog Day, February 2nd, the whole six weeks, six weeks of more winter, right? Well, the Lenten season being six weeks oh. along, which soon comes after February 2nd, which is Epapandi or the meeting of the Lord. So oh. obviously this is more of a, was more, was more of like a German Catholic tradition with the groundhog and sure all of that that came over to america now is yeah, i guess centered in pennsylvania right uh, but um you know there's there's these nice you know cultural connections i mean speaking of german uh christian lenten cultural connections the pretzel is yes. a lenten bread uh, right. or was at least because if you kind of cross your arms across your chest and put your hands on your shoulders, this was and is an ancient posture of prayer. Mm-hmm. In many Orthodox churches, this is how people will come forward to receive the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at it, you know, it's in the shape of a pretzel. Right. Um, yeah. And it's from a single strand of dough, and there's three holes, and the light shines through the three holes. Oh, so kind of a Trinitarian German snack. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, all this fun stuff of Lent and opening up our souls. So the play on words, you know, springtime, eonyxy, uh, spring, Lent and spring as eonyxy, domsikonimon, the opening of our souls to God for transformation from his great, by his grace. Um, and of course this is the focus and it's, it, it can, we can lose this focus, you know, sometimes we can be distracted almost if we're not Mm. paying attention, uh, the Lenten disciplines, um, thinking of them in terms of like what I need to do to sort of like, you know, be saved and, Mm. but forgetting, you know, I guess it's easy maybe to forget that, no, you know, we're saved by, by Christ and the Mm. cross and his Mm -hmm. third day resurrection. Um, and these 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 disciplines are there to kind of help us um, learn, you know, on the one hand to grow in our faith, uh, to be spiritually stretched, to have our souls opened up to Christ, to be filled mm-hmm. with Christ, to be transformed by Christ, yeah. and and by His His light, His uncreated divine energies. You know, going to the second Sunday of Lent with Saint Gregory Palamas. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, all of that happening. Uh, hopefully. Uh, for folks, um, you know, I know it's it's kind of getting, we're past the midpoint of Lent, and so yep. sometimes folks can get a little tired, um, yeah. uh, but it's 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 such a blessed time, um, and, and just such an important and holy time, so. Um, uh, amen, 
Amen. Um, and, you know, thankfully, as we said before, um, there is no um, restriction against the drinking of coffee during Lent. Correct. And there is no restriction to do what you're doing right now, listening to the church coffee pod, where the theology is never watered down and the conversation keeps flowing. I'm Father Bryce. And I'm Father Gregory. Welcome again, uh, everyone. Uh, our topic this month, um, some folks wanted us to talk about prophecies, the Old Testament, and the crucifixion and the resurrection. Um, yeah. we, we hear in the creed that uh, he rose on the third day according to the scripture. Right. And so that phrase, according to the scripture, is there. Right, um, and that's uh, a quoting from uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Right, and and I mean, and he says also about the crucifixion or his death. Right, you know, he says, you know, First Corinthians fifteen three. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, mm -hmm. that he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Right. So, you know, first of all, I mean, what, you know, what do you think? Why is that accordance to the scriptures there? Why is he making that point? Sure. I mean, I think one thing, you know, just to be clear for everybody is when Paul says the scriptures, he is only talking about the Old Testament. So he he's not referring to the Gospels at this point. Right. He's he's not saying like we have this account in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John those have not even been written yet. Paul Paul's letters are written before the Gospels are actually in written form, probably, probably. Mm -hmm. Well, as John as, for sure. John for yeah, sure. As best as we're able to tell. And, so, and, yeah. so Paul is referring to the Old Testament. So when Paul says, you know, these things happened, the death, the, the burial for three days, the resurrection, when he says they happen in accordance with the scriptures, he means these fulfill prophecies of the Old Testament. Right. And other places too, you know, the Apostle Paul makes reference to events in the Old Testament and he seems to like interpret or talk about them in such a way to talk about experiences of the Christian community in his day. Well, right, because this is the Christians of Paul's day don't think they're anything new. That this is the they don't view Christ as starting some new religious movement. He's just, he's the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of all of the prophecy in the Old Testament. Everything was leading up to the person of Christ. And, mm -hmm. and so this is, this is not a new thing for them. This is the continuation and the fulfillment of the tradition that's been handed down. Right. So for example, you see Paul comparing the uh, uh, Exodus and crossing through the water at with baptism, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and then the, the pillar in, of cloud, you know, with the Holy Spirit, um, right. you know, which we might also um, think about in the terms of the sacrament, the Orthodox sacrament of chrismation. Sure. You know, so, and you see this also in the epistles of, of Peter, mm -hmm. you know, he's making reference to the flood and Noah, and he's making reference again to baptism. Yeah, and we, we hear uh, Christ referred to by Paul very often as the new Adam. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, fulfilling everything humanity was supposed to be in the first place. Right, and so the church fathers, when Pilate is pointing to Christ, which we'll read during Holy Week, mm. 
and says, Idu o anthropos, you know, behold the human being. Behold, mm-hmm. it's like, and the word human being, the word Adam, right. uh, is, is a little bit of a play in the Old Testament because you have Adam just in the sense of a human being. Right. And then you have like kind of the, where it's kind of turned into a name. Right. Adam. Um, but, um, so it's, it's another way of saying behold, right. Behold the human being. Yeah. Like behold the true human being. Yeah. Um, what, what, what humanity or what man was created to truly be is fulfilled and completed in the in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah. And so of course we have these very specific kind of prophecies, um, that we hear not only Paul talk about being fulfillment, but even the gospels themselves, Matthew, especially, you know, will, will describe an event and say this, this happened so that, script the scripture might be fulfilled that says right. you know whatever it might be um so so we have a lot of old testament prophecies talking about the messiah and we have a lot of them specifically talking about the the messiah's death and burial and resurrection uh, that paul refers to in first corinthians and we will hear a lot of those readings uh, in the course of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good thing for people as they're looking or they're praying their Holy Week service, or especially maybe even before or after, if they have a Holy Week book or access to the services, to look at those Old Testament readings and to say, why, why is this here? Mm-hmm. What is the connection? What is the reference? And it's usually pretty obvious. And a lot of times the hymns themselves are interpreting uh, those readings. Yes. Uh, yes. And they're providing kind of, you know, clues and keys to how we read those readings and how we understand them. Yep. Yeah. If, if you're ever wondering what, why are we reading this hymn or this, uh, this scripture reading, just check out the hymns around it and you'll probably get the, the father's take on how, how Christ is like Jonah or how mm-hmm. Christ fulfills prophecies uh, in Isaiah or, or wherever it may be. Yeah, because if you read, I mean, if you read some of the patristic homilies to the homilies of the Church Fathers on some of these topics, you actually see how uh, oftentimes or sometimes the hymns, some of the most beloved hymns are direct quotations or chunks of these homilies. Mm. There's a lot of the Paschal service, the Easter service, uh, the Resurrection Matins, for example, that are directly coming from uh, a Paschal homily by St. Gregory the Theologian. Hmm. Um, and in, and that's true also for the, like the Christmas cut of us he is. Uh, Christ is born, glorify him. You know, that the whole first uh, hymn almost, the Irmos or, or the cut of of Christmas, mm-hmm. is the first lines of St. Gregory the Theologian's homily on Christmas. Hmm. Um so also kind of showing the very poetic nature of, of the preaching of St. Gregory the Theologian, the fact oh, that yes. they could just be turned right into chants and hymns uh, for use of the church. And of course, he's, he's interpreting, explaining, and preaching on the scriptural text and the events in the life of Christ that yeah. are being celebrated um, liturgically. So, yeah. I mean, there's some famous, what are some of the famous or you know, more well-known perhaps prophecies. Let's start with maybe the, the crucifixion or, or the death of Christ or the Messiah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think probably the most well-known prophecies surrounding the the death uh, and the crucifixion and the events kind of leading up to that, right? The the scourging and mm-hmm. the taking, um, uh, being handed over, uh, all of those are foretold in Isaiah's passage, uh, which is often referred to as the passage about the suffering servant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Isaiah 53. Yeah. Um, so, so that's where we we get a lot of the the prophecies specific that we see specifically fulfilled in in Christ's betrayal and and the events leading up to his crucifixion. Yeah, there's actually quite a bit all throughout the prophet Isaiah. Yeah, that that and maybe it's a good point for us to talk about you know how we read these, mm. you know how we read the Old Testament as Orthodox Christians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I. I always think, especially because this event uh, focuses around the the prophet Isaiah, I always think of the Ethiopian eunuch who is is riding in a chariot and acts. Philip uh, is is teleported out into the kind of middle of nowhere, and he's by the road, and and uh, and an Ethiopian eunuch, right, a very kind of high ranking. Uh, official in in somebody's court is riding by in a chariot and philip sees that he's reading the scroll of isaiah and philip kind of runs alongside the chariot and says do you understand what you're reading and and the ethiopian eunuch says no how could i how could i possibly understand what i'm reading this is this is enigmatic i don't this is such a mystery i don't i don't get it and and i i like that passage because of course i think it speaks to the fact that we need, we can't read scripture alone. We can't just, you know, go pick up a Bible and think, like, well, I'm just going to understand this. Um, we need, you know, we need training. We need instruction. We need, you know, the the tradition of the church and everything. Yeah, we need we need guidance. Um, but of but of course, we also uh, read the Old Testament in the light of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have that lens as it were to look back at the old testament and say ah we see we know who the messiah is we know who this suffering servant is so mm-hmm. these passages make sense to us and even and even the disciples needed this done for them right they didn't just kind of figure this out on their own christ himself uh, met with Luke and Cleopas on the road to Emmaus, a, 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 an encounter we've referenced, I think, several times already throughout this podcast, uh, to explain how to look at the Old Testament and see the prophecies about the Messiah fulfilled in him. Yeah, kind of going back to the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, you know, you know the, the eunuch asks, was he writing these things about himself or about somebody else? Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. as I recall, and then and then from there, um, uh, Philip is is able to share the gospel, right? Um, the good news of Christ, and so Isaiah fifty three, the suffering servant. You know, this is just English standard version. Um, talks about for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced 
for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. You know, I mean, they even see the this being fulfilled with the apostles mm. um, who, who mm-hmm. kind of flee away, you know, with the exception mm-hmm. of, of John. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And these are the, these are the verses actually that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that it, he was cut out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth and so on and so forth. I mean, I know it's, mm-hmm. sorry, it's kind of a long passage there, but uh, it's worth certainly worth reading. And it's, it's very similar to um, a passage or several passages actually in the Psalms. Yes. Um, Psalm uh, 22, I'm thinking of, which starts off should sound familiar if we're familiar with the Gospels, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. You know, we hear Jesus himself say this on the cross. Right, right. And uh, I remember uh, Father Pentuch, our Old Testament professor, saying, you know, oftentimes they'll just cite the first verse of something someone may have said its entirety of. Right, right. Like like we call the, the Lord's Prayer, we call it the Our Father. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if we said somebody said our father, we don't just mean they said the two words our father. We mean they said the whole prayer. Yeah. So he talks about how he was scorned and mocked in the psalm, mm-hmm. um, how they wagged their heads at him. Um, and, um, he, you know, he goes on to talk about being pierced again. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have pierced my hands and my feet. Mm-hmm. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And from mm-hmm. my clothing, they cast lots. I mean, it's very specific and yep. very. it's very easy to see how this is uh, fulfilled with the crucifixion. Yeah. Um, some people, I've, I've even heard like Psalm 22 all the way through 31 uh, can be kind of read in the light of the cross of Christ. Hmm. Um and I think this also kind of brings up another point, you know, the Psalms as prayers. Yeah. And, but the Psalms as the prayers of Christ himself mm-hmm. in some instance. And so when we're praying the Psalms, um, you know, we're kind of praying back to God, his own words. Yeah. Um, and, and it kind of showing, you know, cause we in the Orthodox church, we have this understanding too of the life in Christ. Yeah. You know how we are we are called to become one with Christ, to be united with God in Christ. Yeah, yeah, and we we can be bold to pray these these words of these psalms, you know that that say things that we could never say on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have walked in innocence, and you know, consider my righteousness. Things that you know we could never say on our own, but we can I- say because we are in christ yeah there's even that one verse i remember and i it still catches me every time for i am holy and it's like ooh, right <laughs> but but you know you make a, a really important point there um you know as, as far as praying the psalms in that light and so 
um, you know, going relating it back to the crucifixion and the resurrection, how do we participate then in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ since we're on this mm. topic? Oh, man. I mean, you know, we are now a, a week, a little bit more than a week past it, but right in the middle of Lent, we have the Sunday of the Holy Cross, right? Mm. To remind us uh, what it means, what it means and what it looks like to follow Christ in his own words in the gospel for that day. If you want to follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross yeah, daily. Yeah, if you want to be my disciple, yeah, um, yeah, or and you know, follow me, yeah, akulutiti me. So yeah, um, yeah, and also just simply too, is thinking about Paul and his epistle to the Romans in our baptism, uh, we die with Christ, right? We are buried right. with Him, in order to rise with Him and walk with Him in the newness of life. Mm-hmm. So in the sacramental life of the church, we, we are, I guess, introduced to and grafted in and made able to participate um, in the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. But that's not just like a one-time thing when we were baptized. And, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's an ongoing, like you're saying, take up your cross and follow me. You know, take up your cross daily yeah. uh, and follow me. And St. Uh, Innocent of Alaska he talks about internal crosses and external crosses. Mm. You know, those kind of mm-hmm. those internal struggles. It might be struggles with certain passions um, or struggles with certain things that we've inherited within our family mm. uh, that we have to deal with, proclivities, um, or, or whatever the internal struggles may be. There can be lots of different internal crosses, and those are my internal crosses. You, you may not have the same internal crosses, Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone is called to take up his cross, her cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's external crosses, things that kind of come upon us in life mm. um, that we have to bear. And that looks different sure. um, for different people. And, and that comes from the outside. Uh, right. And that called... can be illnesses or, or persecutions or any number of yeah. struggles. All kinds of difficulties uh, that may be there. But... Uh, yes, we're definitely called to participate uh, in in the crucif you know in the crucifixion in this way because again we are in Christ. Yeah, and I think you know the 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 nice thing about that is uh, suffering and shame will come in our life, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, that is that is part of what it means to be a human. They, we will we will have some degree of suffering and some degree of shame throughout our, you know, at different points in our life. And sometimes it will be more and less and whatever. But to know that when we bear that, Mm -hmm. that has a meaning. That is, when we bear that, that is the way in which we follow Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just uh, senseless or hopeless or purposeless. It It is the very means by which we follow Christ is to is to bear our cross. Yeah, I, that reminds me of that verse, Hebrews uh, twelve two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy mm-hmm. that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, mm-hmm. and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Yep. Um, so we often say, "There's no Pascha." without Holy Friday, mm. 
but also we're not called to just stay at Holy Friday. Yeah. Thank you. You know, we are, we are called to also celebrate Pascha. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, there's a lot of prophecies we could look at surrounding the crucifixion, the death of the Messiah. It, it might be important to point out that in our modern times, because of modern historical realities, people try to interpret these in different ways, these prophecies, hmm. to try to make them about a collective people or about uh-huh. some other kind of reality. Sure. Um, but within the Orthodox Christian tradition, we've always understood these to be about the Messiah, about one person, about who we know and believe to be our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is just important to kind of point that out. Yeah. Um, then we also have, you know, we have prophecies, we have Old Testament readings that are references also to the resurrection. Even with some of, within some of those same passages, but also um, to, to pick a unique one, that Christ himself references, right? When, when, uh, a group of Pharisees comes and says, you know, we demanding a sign, uh, to, to kind of prove that, that Christ is from God or something like that. Uh, he, he says, you will receive no sign, but the sign of Jonah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so we see in this, uh, kind of, tangential way almost that that jonah because he is buried you know kind of submerged in the in the belly of the of the sea creature for three days jonah becomes a type uh of of the resurrection because Mm -hmm. he is buried for three days and then you know comes back into the land of the living Mm -hmm. uh, after that and so uh we see that as kind of a prophecy uh, an event that sees its fulfillment in the resurrection of Christ, and yeah. I, and and with with the authority of Christ Himself saying that that He is you know the fulfillment of it. And I I read a commentary on that recently somewhere on the interwebs, uh, and it was you know I'm not a Hebrew scholar so I can't speak to it too much, but he was looking at the Hebrew words for the prophet uh, Jonah, and there's this the connection is deep enough that when he was in the belly of the whale. It could almost literally be, or could literally be, interpreted as he died, hmm. and then and then kind of experienced like a you know a resurrection. It probably is more of a play on words, mm. but it makes the connection even stronger. Yeah. And then uh, I like what this author. And I'm sorry I can't reference it. I don't remember where I saw it. That just happens sometimes when I'm just perusing around on the internet. Uh, sure. But then it made a reference to, and I thought this was a good point. I think we may have talked about this before about how he then proclaims to the Gentile world, mm. um, you know, that basically the Gentile world will come in after the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. And so Jonah, what does he do after being, you know, so to speak, resurrected from the belly of the whale? He goes yeah. and preaches a, a message of repentance to the Ninevites. Right. And what do the Ninevites do? You know, again, to his chagrin, you know, they repent and <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they take his message seriously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and God... Um, they're delivered from the judgment of God and yeah. uh, in that way, um, or they experience it differently, you know, however it's best to word that. Um, yeah. in, other, in other words, the threat of condemnation that was against them does not come against them um, right? because they repent. Right. Um, and so this, this is even part of the sign of Jonah is the Gentile world believing, you know, repenting mm-hmm. from its paganism, repenting from its idolatry, and believing in the risen Christ. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we also, uh, you know, on the same day that we read the entire book of Jonah, we also have the readings about the three holy youths in the mm-hmm. fiery furnace. Uh, and so, you know, we see um, God's chosen ones mm-hmm. preserved through death in a way. It- in the fire, like in the hottest fire possible. Right. And one like the, and a fourth comes and dwells in there who has the appearance of the son of God and they're not burned in the fire, but to them it's like a cool breeze or whatever, like yeah. a dew. Yeah. Uh, and they chant praise and hymns uh, to God. And so you see even there kind of the descent, an image of the descent into Hades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of, of Christ's descent into Hades. And then as uh, the third day resurrection, which also has implications for the dead, uh, that were already in the realm of Hades, right, right. That you know, that, that they are brought through. Mm-hmm. He has brought put, out. He has put death to death. Death has received a mortal blow. Yes. Oh, you know. So, and we we proclaim these things in the Paschal Homily, which are direct citations again from First uh, Corinthians uh, fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, which are just beautiful. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Yeah. Um, the death, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. And, you know, another passage, too, that's Isaiah 60, that, again, finds finds itself into Paschal uh, hymnology. Um, yeah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, Mm. and his glory shall be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. You know, Isaiah 60. Um, So kind of, again, we read this and understand this in the light of the resurrection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We could talk for so long about about these beautiful prophecies and the amazing ways in which they're fulfilled, but I really think n- nothing drives home these truths like experiencing them in the in the services of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the church has has you know through through the guidance of the Holy Spirit has these services that that allow us to experience these truths, not just in a kind of, I hear a truth and believe it, but in a deeper way that, that speaks to our hearts, mm-hmm. you know, kind of beyond our just simply getting beyond our rational understanding. And, and if we, like you said at the beginning of today's podcast, if we are open, mm-hmm. if we are open to the work that Christ wants to do in us through his Holy Spirit, then, then we too will be, you know, will undergo a resurrection. Yeah. Because life will come to be within us. Because we talked about experiencing and participating in the crucifixion. But again, like we said, we're also to participate in his resurrection. Yeah. Uh, And that's, that's very clear in the scriptures, but you know, it's very clear. It should, you know, it's something that needs to take place in our life. That right, recall. not not just at you know, not just after we've died. Right, right. But here and now. Yes. Um, and so, how can we participate and experience the resurrection of Jesus? 
in the here and now? Well, I think, you know, we, we, we can experience it in a very real way if we are open to it in, in the services of the Holy Week. Mm-hmm. But, but even, you know, the, the Eucharist is offered as, as the experience of Christ's resurrection every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, every, every Sunday is a, is a Pascha in miniature. Um, Just like spring is often, you know, talked about as new life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pascha is new life. Mm-hmm. The resurrection is is life, and we are offered this new life in the Holy Spirit. Yes. And again, not just after we die, but in, in the here and now. We are yeah. offered and called to participate in this new life through the transforma- transforming grace of the All-Holy Spirit that is mm-hmm. offered to us. And um, so I just want to echo your, your call. Come to the Holy Week services. Yeah. Um, Come and listen, come and pray, come in and experience these things. Walk with Christ yeah. uh, during, you know, these services are also, they, they, the, the tradition and the history of them is they come out of Jerusalem, uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. and they come out of the, the traditions of the, the worshiping community in Jerusalem mm-hmm. as they're kind of going through day by day what happened on each day. Uh, in the life of Christ and the teachings that were being given and what the apostles were experiencing and and hearing and were called to um, walk alongside them and be with them and experience all of these things too uh, through the worship of the church. So we're reminded, you know, that um, liturgy and worship is is not just something we hear and, and, and not just something we understand. Uh, and, and it's also not even just a work that we do, uh, mm-hmm. through the singing and the reading, uh, of the hymns and things, uh, but is also something that is being done to us. Yeah. So these things are transformative for us. And, um, you know, doors of the church are open, come in and experience mm-hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. Make it a priority. Come to as many of the services as you possibly can. Yes. Yes. I mean, this is you the will whole... be tired, but it will be worth it. It'll be worth it. Holy Week and Pascha is the holiest time of the year. Yes. Yeah. Um, so like the Paschal homily says, even if you've kind of not been participating up till now, um, start today. I mean, we're yeah. not even there at Holy Week yet as, as of the recording of this. Um, but avail yourself of the remainder of Lent and avail yourself of the Holy Week services. And if you happen to be listening to this and... Um, you're not an Orthodox Christian and you kind of wonder what we're talking about, find your local Orthodox Christian church yeah. and, and go visit these services. The, the doors are open to you to come in and, um, and, and, and come in and pray and, and follow along and see these um, beautiful, powerful services that are showing us the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I... I, I just reminded of the the prayer right before um the penitent makes confession right the the priest says you know confess all that that you have done so that having come to the physician you don't depart unhealed and it mm-hmm. just kind of holy week is there as as a medicine for us right mm-hmm. it it is there for our health and uh you know so so take your medicine you know come experience the the healing the the redemption the fullness of the faith offered in this week 
it is a wonderful opportunity um, to experience some of the the strongest and and best medicine that the church has to offer. Yeah, I mean, come experience Christ in Holy Week. Amen. All right, like you said, we could we could talk all day about this, but yeah, uh, yeah. we'll kind of we'll kind of wrap it up there. Um, next topic uh, that's been requested of us for the month of May okay. uh, will be the seven sacraments. Oh, um, great! Or mysteries of the church. So yeah. any, any questions people have about those, um, where can they send those in? If you have questions about the sacraments or mysteries of the Orthodox Church, or if you have any other questions that you'd like us to consider making a feature of a later episode, you can email us at churchcoffeepod at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail, 317 660 five four nine eight again email churchcoffeepot at gmail.com or a voicemail at three one seven six six zero five four nine eight thanks for listening to the church coffee pod if you enjoyed what you heard please like subscribe or leave a review make sure to tell your friends that church coffee isn't so bad after all peace take care god bless